This podcast is part of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. To learn more, visit listenfrederick.com. Welcome to season two of the Big Sci Fi Podcast, where we talk about all things sci fi. Our crew, Adina, Brian, Chris, and Steve, are all back for more fun as we share our opinions, thoughts, and ideas on our favorite films, TV shows, and books. We'll also have some fascinating guest appearances this season, so make sure your ship has plenty of dilithium crystals because we're breaking free from this solar system at light speed while having the most fun of any podcast this side of the Milky Way talking about science fiction. All hands brace for impact. It's time for the big sci-fi podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the big sci-fi podcast. I'm hoping that people are going to be able to guess tonight's topic if I introduce it with a list. Although when I came up with that idea, I realized that everyone is probably already seen the title when they clicked play. So this is just going to be kind of silly. But here's the list anyway that I started to make. Vulcans, Klingons, whatever Yoda was, denominators, Vorlons, Vogons, Kryptonians, the Borg, the Daleks. I'm hoping people see the theme here. We're going to talk about aliens in, in science fiction, which to me is one of the most imaginative aspects of science fiction because we only have a sample size of one intelligent, maybe sometimes semi-intelligent species to draw on. So we really have no idea. And this is where we get to use our imagination. So it's a topic that I I really love. I'm looking forward to talking about it with my co-hosts who I'd like to introduce. So let's start. Brian, please introduce yourself. Hey guys, I'm Brian Donnie. I'm a pastor, church planner, musician, writer. I, I'm a dad, a husband. Shall I keep going? I don't know. I'm a podcaster. Yeah, sure. We... A podcaster and also <laughs> you do something else now with podcasts? I, I create music for podcasting. Um, oh, yeah. So hey. I did, I've been working on music this week a lot, actually. So anyways. Awesome. Well, next we have Mr. Christian Fox. So I am a mediator during the day and I podcast about Star Trek and sci-fi at night. And then I have a YouTube channel and I uh, eat a lot of food when I watch TV. Awesome. <laughs> That's a great selling point. Yep. Yeah. You sure you're yep. not an American? You sure you're in Canada? That's what Americans <laughs> so. do a lot, I think. Is I think we the... do a lot of American things in Canada. I think we're very, Probably. very similar. We I just, do we don't have of... in and outs, which I'm bitter about, but... Well, that's another podcast, I guess. There isn't, not that I'm a meat eater, because I actually don't eat beef, but we were talking about in and out at work today and kind of the whole, it's a regional thing. It's not everywhere in the United States. It's only yeah. in mostly the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we really right. don't have an in-out burger here on the East Coast. Just just saying, it's it's not, it's oh, not yeah, a completely like, American. I mean, like it's not an everywhere American thing. I've only ever heard San Francisco. What do you, what's, the, what's the term for people that live in San Francisco? Can you help me out? What's, that? what's the term of what? For, for people that live in San Francisco, I was going to say San Francisco idiots, but about pronouncing people from it San right. Francisco, yeah, Franciscans. That's not right. That's not right. What we call them in Los Angeles are Giants fans. Okay. <laughs> okay. Speaking of which, so now we finally we have the always friendly and always encouraging Steve Merkin. I guess unless you're a Giants fan, say oh, hello, no. Steve. No, no, I am a Dodger fan. Dodger Blue. I even this past this past Saturday 
was at Dodger Stadium with my wife to watch the unveiling of the Sandy Koufax trophy, excuse me, uh, statue. And as a kid who grew up in the 60s in Los Angeles and watched Sandy Koufax play for the Dodgers, that was like, I I only have a few heroes in life and Sandy Koufax is one of them. Uh, Neil Armstrong is another, so you can kind of get the theme of, Mm -hmm. I, I like the guys who are the best at what they ever did and are very modest about it. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, I'm Steve Merkin. I am a retired gentleman who enjoys uh, donating at Children's Hospital where I get free in and out burger coupons oh, from them. Yum, nice. yum. <laughs> and I love doing this podcast. So there we go. Are they in Vegas at all? Because I am. Yes, I, they are. I, yes, there is. Oh, okay, yes. good. Because I'm. Going I will to Vegas. get. I will get you the address. You can go to In and Out Burger in Vegas. Oh, thank goodness! I'm okay. so happy. Yeah. <laughs> making oh. dreams, Steve Merkin, making dreams come true on this. That's podcast. my job. Yeah, thank you, uh. Steve. <laughs> so, and I'm Adina Mignona, engineer by day, science fiction author by morning, uh, mostly of the Robot Galaxy series, which is now over a year old. Um, and still going strong. I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to talk about aliens, but before we get into our main topic today, what have you guys been up to since we last talked? Who wants to start? I I can go. Yeah, go I ahead. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Started a new podcast called the uh, Trekking with the Fam, which is a podcast that spun out of the Trekking, sorry, of the Star Trek Family Facebook group. So that was exciting. And I watched Strange New Worlds and started rewatching The Final Frontier. And for some reason, I was like, oh, I love Stranger Things season four. I don't remember liking two. And then I watched two when I should have probably been watching other stuff. But it's been fun because <laughs> I'm, I'm loving season two. Like, I don't remember it being that good. <laughs> In my case, uh my wife, we've been watching actually the last episode of Strange New Worlds was really Star Trekian. It was oh, very, yeah, so very, good. very, very well done. Of course, we can't discuss it because we'll do that another day. But it was very much and 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 it's so good. The series is so good. Again, my wife says we're going to watch Star Trek, right? We're going to watch Strange New Worlds, mm-hmm. and she never said that about any other series except TNG when it was first on. But it's so good. We're really enjoying it. And let me make a plug for a non-Star Trek movie I just watched the other day called Jerry and Marge Go Large. It's on <laughs> Prime, and it is an unbelievably wonderful film. It is a heartwarming story about a husband and wife who figure out how to circumvent the lottery system. True story. and How they win millions and share it with their town and make their town a better place. It is Hmm. unbelievably uh, i i i can't highly recommend this movie i can't i, I can't recommend it more higher it is just absolutely wonderful so please we, mm-hmm. we saw the a preview for i mean we saw the trailer for that and didn't i see jesse rain wilson in it for like a minute yes yes he is in he plays a wonderful character a very cool. char- colorful character um and brian uh his name just popped out of Cranston. my head but thank you brian Cran- he he, the scary, scary thing is he looks so much like my my father-in-law that it hmm. just scared me. And the mannerisms and everything he portrayed was just so real. Hmm. And my, I, I love my father-in-law. He, he's not with us anymore. And he was a great guy. So it was really uh, special. But anyway, I thoroughly, if you, you, if you got an hour and a half or more, watch this movie. You will, you'll come away feeling really good about yourself. 
Great. I, it's it's definitely on my list. Please. Once I get Prime back and Paramount Plus back. Oh, okay. Uh, we we we're doing something with my sister in law, so we can both have Prime and Paramount Plus. So, um, anyways, I, I'm I'm Strange New Worlds less right Uh-oh. now, Uh-oh. and I'm I'm a little shaky, like I'm having withdrawals <laughs> that I can't just watch the latest episode or two. Um, so. Think of me, my fellow podcasters, when you're watching. <laughs> okay, hopefully this week or next we'll get that back. But um, uh, I've been doing all sorts of things, writing music, um, working on church stuff. I've got another podcast with the church, uh, and we just recorded a fantastic episode today. Um, and so I, like Chris, have multiple podcasts, and um, that keeps me busy. And two beautiful kids that are phenomenal, if you know me. And you're friends with me, and you haven't watched the video I posted of them play acting. It'll it's the best thing on Facebook right now, in my opinion. My son is hysterical in it. Absolutely, Only a little biased. <laughs> absolutely hysterical. I'm telling you, if you set this next to other stuff on Facebook right now, it's gonna people would pick it over anything else. I'm just I'm kidding. I'm a That's little a biased. Bold but, statement. <laughs> uh, check that video out because it is it'll make you laugh, smile, to warm your heart, and. Uh, uh, it's pretty great. So mm-hmm. it's not every day I post videos of my kids on Facebook because most of the time it starts out cute and then it ends with wrestling and beating each other up and then I have to erase it right is... away. So <laughs> okay, it was, it was one, and it's, it's humiliating. I stopped oh. doing Facebook Live with my kids too. They'd say, "Dad, let's do Facebook Live," and we'd be outside and they've been cute and gorgeous all day long. And then all of a sudden. Like they become mortal enemies right on faith. They transform right on Facebook Live, and I have to erase it right away. So, like, I, I hope never, nobody watched that. Never been bold enough to do anything no. live. <laughs> live scares no. me. No, no. <laughs> Lived no. there through the pandemic with the church. Um, mm. But uh, it, it, yeah, it was, it's, there's people that master it really well that do it well. And mm-hmm. people that, you know, and there's all sorts of techno- technological issues you got to be concerned with, mm-hmm. you know, um, with that, too, if you're trying to do anything professional. But I've thought of doing some stuff related to my books, related to writing, related to maybe reading a little bit or something. Mm-hmm. But I haven't I haven't been bold enough. I think you should go for it. I just the, keep it simple. Uh... Like like they say, the videos that actually get the most interaction uh-huh. And engagement are the ones literally when someone's just holding their cell phone selfie style talking into it. It's not necessarily the high tech, fancy, different mm-hmm. camera angle, mm-hmm. Facebook live stuff. It's the stuff that is real life where you're yourself. People feel like they're relating to you, you know? Sure. Which sure. I know is a good thing, but it kind Think of annoys me. But that's a whole other right. discussion that has nothing to do with aliens. So okay, well, basically, I'm just going to say real quickly, Andy Warhol, Andy Warhol said 15 minutes. I think we're talking 15 hours now of fame through the yeah. Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so what I've been up to this last mm. week is, is almost related to our topic, but unintentionally, mm-hmm. uh, I did not plan this at all. So I've been working my way through uh, Love, Death and Robots, but but slowly because I reserve that for when I'm on my um, treadmill. So uh, the fact that I haven't gotten very far, tells you how much exercise I've, I've had <laughs> time to do. <laughs> but I wound up the other night starting uh, what I, a series I've really been wanting to, to see since it came out recently. 
the man who fell to earth. Mm. So I've only, I'm only one episode yeah. and I only saw the first episode and it was uh, absolutely compelling and interesting and kind of funny in that quirky way that I like. So I'm really excited to, to watch more. Hmm. And yeah, because he's a he's an interesting alien character, and the way it's depicted, you know, th- this is the first thing I, I really want to talk about. It's it's very hard to depict alien races in science fiction, and you know, like I mentioned at the beginning, we only have one intelligent sentient species here. We have us humans, you know. So how you know we only have what we know about ourselves to to base that on. And mm-hmm. so how realistic could we really be? Because everything almost seems kind of clone-ish of some aspect of humanity. I mean, we, we see that. But the other thing I think, and I think this has always been true when we think of Star Trek, you're like, well, why, why does every alien in the original series, Star Trek, the original series look kind of humanoid? And, and I think there's that practical you know, reason of production costs. It mm-hmm. costs money to put people in makeup, you know, and it costs money to do all those things. So my question for you guys first is, you know, do, do you agree with my assessment or is there some nuance I'm missing or? A hundred percent. Like I, uh, I remember one time I was watching, it was really weird. I was watching Stargate and they were dealing with the Gould, which are basically humans that have been possessed by, uh, I forgot what they call it, but like a symbiote. And this one guy had an an Australian accent. And I was like, wait, why would he have an Australian accent? Like, that doesn't make sense for an alien. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Even in Star Trek, they all have American accents. So why is an Australian one any different? But it just, it's annoying when you, when you have to wrap your head around the fact that, okay, why does everybody look human-ish? It's because, yeah, we're limited by the fact that we can only get human actors. And, um, so I think that's one aspect of Star Trek, especially that you really have to, you have to suspend your disbelief that mm-hmm. they're all human humanoids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but when you when you pose that question, uh, are Trek aliens too human? In your synopsis here, I said I don't fault this. Um, they had to work a weekly series and keep production costs at a reasonable level. Plus evolution has to be a part of whatever an alien race might look be like and we seem to be in a pattern for most alien types of creatures what they're going to look like even the zindi were human-like except for the aquatics and i have an issue with their ability to create machines and so on i mean dolphins are smart but can they build anything (laughs) even the creatures from alien even the creature from alien is human-like but with other elements added for terror and if they were to create the ultimate killing machine, they've done it. I mean, even the Predator was human-like, mm-hmm. but had variations to give it that level of terror that the movie wanted. And it never really bothered me it, it, about aliens always looking like humans, arms, legs, fingers, toes, with the whole thing like that. Um, it's more so that when they get too outrageous, in their form, is this even conceivable that they could accomplish anything? And that's that's how I well, think that's a it. different version yeah. of the suspension of disbelief, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. There's suspension of disbelief that they're like us, and suspension of disbelief that they're so unlike us mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. to be possibly impossible. 
Yeah, but I the aquatics, I'm so glad you mentioned them. They are they are very cool. So I'm really glad you and we can talk about that more later. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's I just yeah, I just thought, you know, you look at the aquatics and you're going, well, they're floating in the water and how can they build the spacecraft that it, that uh that ultimately it, mm -hmm. it takes the enterprise back to earth again you know except mm -hmm. it would have the assistance of the other races to be able to do that and if that's the case of the other races which are more humanoid then they would be the ones that could have developed the technology that they needed to be able to have that type of way of traveling right. in their See? own fishbowl Fishbowl, it, it's funny you say that because my thing was well how can they get anything done because the way they describe the aquatics like it takes like they'll have like meetings and they'll like take like 10 years to deliberate and whether they want to attend a meeting like well how do they get things done but right yeah, that's a good point about how can they build spaceships <laughs> mm -hmm. if they're in water it's like um, the ancient trees in lord of the rings that took forever just to say oh, hello right. you the know trees. um i so here's here's I think, Adina, your premise and your idea and assessment here is correct. I think it's largely due in especially, you know, early sci-fi on television or in films, for sure, limited to budgets, restraints, and what they could do makeup-wise. And that was what they, it was either a costume or makeup mm -hmm. uh, or combination of both. And that could be rather expensive and take a long time to even come up with and create and so i think for star trek's case especially the klingons that was just easy but i remember as a kid i mean of course you know as a kid you maybe don't necessarily know of such things but i totally bought it i thought the klingons were evil and different you know they were in different costumes so their mm -hmm. costumes helped set them apart so they used other elements to kind of set mm -hmm. the romulans costumes were very much uh, unique for them, um, the Andorians. I mean, that was another way they, mm -hmm. although the Andorians were kind of a little more um, technically harder to pull off, I guess. But um, I, I think like, as far as the alien question goes, we have no idea what, you know, maybe they do look a little bit like us. Maybe they look totally different. Everything that we have seen in film and television comes from the creative mind of the producers and the directors and the writers and the art departments. So, you know, I, it's, you know, maybe, maybe even the dolphins, as, as Steve mentioned, maybe they've actually got civilizations deep in the bottom of our oceans with highly technical, you know, well, according to okay. Douglas Adams, they are the second most intelligent species on the planet earth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so was there a planet of dolphins that have, uh, escaped like uh, like the dinosaurs in Voyager. Uh, you know what? I you you just said some words that intrigued me. We we have the planet of the apes. Maybe someone should right. make a planet of the dolphins and see what happens. So well, that I'm I know I've read. I'm trying to remember what I read. Uh, there's the the Bobiverse. The we are Bob by Dennis E. e. Taylor. It's a mm -hmm. science fiction series of novels, and I think in there as he had humanity go out to other planets, he had, there was a, effectively a water world. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, I'm thinking of this, where mm. humans, you know, evolved to adapt to that environment. And they kind of, it's almost like they de-evolved hmm. a little bit. Very um, interesting. And I think, I think that's been done in a, a few, few, not on the screen, but mm -hmm. I think I've seen that done several times in novels. Interesting. Well, there was a movie called, I believe, The Day of the Dolphins. 
with um whew, i can't recall i don't know that um yes and about how the, the dolphins communicate with their handlers that they actually um decode their squeaks and sounds into a language and i think it was uh, george c scott was in it if i'm not mistaken hmm. but anyway yeah it's uh, it gets into that type of discussion i mean i didn't mean to take us into the direction of dolphins no. and all that but it's just an example but yeah there are I, hear, I hear dolphins and i'm like squirrel but it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's just interesting is that yeah i mean you know when it comes down to you know we as human beings with our dexterity are able to create and build things and that has advanced our culture if we never was able to develop working tools as cro-magnum man or whatever you know mm. um we still might be in the trees we may have never evolved to the point we are right now because never would have we learned to use a tool to do something but could we have evolved differently because i feel like i don't I mean, maybe there's like a mathematical way of I don't know how to explain this, but like in my head, when we look at the universe, mm -hmm. I feel like it's like we've all, I've only explored my neighborhood. Like, so I'm here in great um, Stornwood court. And I feel like it's like, if I were to try to guess what the rest of the world was like, if I don't, if we'd only ever explored the neighborhood mm -hmm. and then all of our knowledge comes from that. So I feel like that's where we are in terms of the universe where we've only explored a small section. Mm -hmm. So I think it's hard for us to conceive of how to do it differently, but I feel like there's, there must be something out there that is different and that maybe doesn't use, that doesn't have arms and legs and doesn't use the tools that we use. Well, but it, I could be, but nobody but knows. It's if you look at, well, if you look at the movie galaxy quest, the Thermians in their actual shape, they're octopus. Right. And an yeah. octopus does have the capacity to be able to grasp something because mm -hmm. it can use its suckers to do that however because of its environment where it lives it really can't build a spaceship but it's a good point that okay so if you don't have which comes down to one of my statements here about criteria of ability to do anything that you need to have thumbs and i still argue that um without thumbs you really can't accomplish month and i would i would even ask any one of us to take a rubber band and strap your thumb to your palm and then try to pick up a hammer and do something with it. So if you have the ability to have the, to be able to grasp something and do something with it, then you can evolve. But could you not argue that because we had thumbs, people were like, I don't know that like, Hey, we could use our thumbs, but everything was based off of that. But I feel like if we had something different or didn't have thumbs, we would figure out a completely different way of evolving which might still very well create, be mm -hmm. able to get a lot of the same results, right. maybe. There, yeah. There's but a lot of ability. A there's, I mean, there is a lot of ability to use tools. Like other animals can't, you know, like the octopus, mm -hmm. uh, you know, even something using its beak. But so I, I guess my, my, my related question is then, are any alien that is depicted that doesn't have the dexterity that we have with the digits or doesn't seem to on the surface, mm -hmm. are they credible? As a so, as an intelligent species, maybe not spacefaring, maybe they didn't they they that, but just as an in, just as an intelligent species. So we're so, so only intelligent species can have thumbs. Well, I mean, that's not I guess what I'm asking mm -hmm. is like so, so there were several species that we've seen that aren't humanoid, you know, aren't aren't humanoid, mm -hmm. um, but are sentient, are 
intelligent enough? Like, are they, are they credible? So one of the ones that I, that hurts my head a lot <laughs> is from Larry Niven's uh, ring world, the, the puppeteers. I don't know if you guys are familiar, how familiar oh, you are, no. but they have like, they really have cool. two heads, they have three legs and they don't have any arms. So, but they have like a beak kind of thing in there and everything, but they're supposed to be a very, uh, in, you know, they're a spacefaring race. Um, and they're, I think one of the oldest ones in his series, like is a race like that. Is it, are they credible or is it really like just, nope, this is just true pure fiction, suspension of disbelief. This could never happen. Hmm. That is more credible. Like then ones I'm thinking about, <laughs> which were the alien, the, the three brains from mm -hmm. uh, the original Star Trek series, uh, gamesters of Triskelion. Mm -hmm. And apparently they used their, they thought so much that they eventually evolved into just brains that would live in a container. And mm -hmm. I'm like that. I don't buy for one minute. <laughs> you, the don't, three, you don't, you, the, oh, yeah, the heads, yeah. the heads from uh, Futurama. In their yeah, little exactly. jar. No, that's a, that's yeah. a, that's, that was an evolution. That is just technology keeping <laughs> yeah. a thing alive. That's, yeah. that's but a the brains thing. were because they they mm -hmm. just focused so much on their thought that they eventually evolved into brain brains, mm -hmm. which that I don't buy. I feel like the the what did you say? Two heads and three three feet or three legs. Mm -hmm. um, like yeah, it was like it's like two. Uh, picture an ostrich. Okay. With a third leg and a second long spindly head <laughs> did they have like uh like telepathy or something or like uh not telepathy um what's the one uh, telekinesis yeah I, I i don't think so I, I gotta go back and refresh myself now that okay. i think about it i don't remember the details <laughs> well, here, so. here's another question adina mm -hmm. with two heads on one body uh, do they get into an argument there was i made a notation <laughs> about a film that came out in the early 70s called the thing with two heads starred mm -hmm. rosie greer and ray milan and I don't know oh yeah and rosa grayer is a angry black activist and ray milan is this racist and he's dying and so they attach his head to rosie greer's body and through the rest of the movie they argue with each other so the question is if if a creature had two heads with two brains <laughs> could the two brains develop separately and have a big argument with each other Ooh. constantly well Larry i guess David as one of those heads chris larry <laughs> david <laughs> And somebody else's oh, head gosh. attached. What would they have an argument over? I hate Everything. that you. I was like, I'm not going to bring up Larry David, but I'm thinking that it. right I away. <laughs> you did. I didn't do it. You did. You brought it up. But yeah, I. I don't know. I don't know how that would work. Like, do I don't know. Again, like I keep asking you for these like details, but do you know if those creatures specifically, if their two heads were dependent? Well. I gotta now. I gotta refresh myself. Even though okay, I brought this up yeah. as the example, I'm <laughs> right, I yeah. not remembering I'm just all the details. So I gotta like reread. You asked okay. us the question. I'm sorry. Okay, well, I'm gonna <laughs> and... ask. You, I'm gonna switch. I'm gonna switch. Okay, go ahead. I'm gonna, go ahead. Okay. I'm gonna ask you another question. So, uh -huh. in Trek, what what yeah. is your favorite? Who's oh. your favorite aliens in Trek? Oh, I think the Borg. I mean, really? the Borg look. Good answer. The, Good answer. The most but alien. I find. Oh they're yeah. Go ahead. Evil, except for Seven. Yeah, they're evil. And except for, but they're still except like for... my favorite. They're still okay. like, like whenever uh -huh. they show up, I'm like, I'm in. You didn't okay. specify Voyager. evil or good. Okay, well, why? Okay, let's like I said, why are they your favorite? So yeah, that's a favorite yeah, okay. and why. Okay. Uh, okay. Just because they the look, <laughs> they look so different. They're not just like, you know, other aliens. It's like, oh, what's your shtick? Oh, we have a slightly bumpy forehead. Oh, we have foreheads that look like uh, spoons. Mm -hmm. Oh, now we have uh, nose ridges. But I mean, these guys actually seem like what? they were so different from anything that had happened before. Yeah. And Trill? I do find yeah. Trill is very different. 
-hmm. Yeah, trail's very different too. But I mean, I think we're like looking outwardly mm -hmm. where like you see a Borg and you're like, that's a Borg. And you're like, oh, wait, a trail? What's what's that again? Is that the one with the spots? Mm -hmm. I feel like if, yeah. if you're just worm, going by pure um, uh, I, not iconography, but like something that's iconic, if you're just going by what is the most iconic, I feel like the Borg, everybody knows what the Borg are. If you I, the, Most people do. Mm -hmm. And I think it's amazing that even the Borg in TNG before they went through the the big um, revamp in the movies mm -hmm. still look kind of terrifying, even with mm -hmm. the weird plastic and yeah. the eyes. And there's yeah. something very unsettling about them. Yeah. It was, it, it was gripping. I remember watching the best of both worlds when it mm -hmm. originally aired and being, and I remember the other Borg episodes, but, but you know, when they the best of both worlds is when they really came into their own, where they established, these are the heavy bad guys mm -hmm. of yeah. this universe and it was such a brilliant part one episode in particular. Part two is pretty fantastic, but uh, it's they're just highly recognized. I think another one is the Klingons too. I think probably oh, yeah. more people know about Klingons. Okay, Even if they've yeah. never seen them. They've there's there's so much a part of the culture and a part of what Trek is. Mm -hmm. that I think probably more people. If I had to guess, I may be wrong. But I think, and Borg are a close second for sure, but I think Klingons are probably more, or maybe Vulcans. Well, of Vulcans, because of Spock, yeah. Spock, that's yeah. probably number Iconic. one. Yeah. But, uh, so um, are, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Are they Klingons? Do we think that the Klingons are the original, like, bumpy head mm -mm. aliens out of I don't anything? anymore. I, I, no? I think that... Is there something that was before then? I, I think that um, Next Gen really kind of set the pace with Worf, seeing him week in and week out with that style mm -hmm. Klingon. And I got to be honest, I'm not like, I don't hate how Discovery did Klingons. I I, I don't have any problem with that at all. Um, yeah, I'm they just the made same, them, same. Yeah, they just made them even scarier was... and weird looking. And, and so I think they did a great job with it. But for me... The Klingon, I, I might have to say, I, it was a toss-up for me. I have three favorites, the Klingons, the Romulans, and the Jem'Hadar. But the Romulans is more because of the stories of intrigue always involved with their... Yeah. Okay. It has more to do with that than it does with actual how they looked um, or anything like that. But the Jem'Hadar, I thought, I thought was a pretty great alien race. Oh, yeah. Uh, made cool. up. I mean, humanoid-looking, but... It was the entire face. It wasn't just the forehead, you know. Um, although I guess Cardassians were really kind of the same way too. You get the sense of those ridges going down. Hey, I'm wearing there. my Garrick mm. shirt, my new Garrick. Are oh, you nice. fantastic? Oh. <laughs> yeah, and just cool. to clarify, I meant like I felt like that the Klingons were the blueprint for like just the bumpy foreheads in terms of like oh, for the Westmore at least. Yeah. It was always yeah. like You're everything evolved from that. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. You're absolutely mm. right, Chris. Okay. Um, yep. Uh, for me, oh yeah, Jemadar, cool. Yeah, uh, in Trek, it's the Andorians, and most you know when I first saw them when I was a kid in um, Tower of Babel, it was like they were interesting with their little antenna, mm -hmm. though it wasn't really fleshed out. But when they reintroduced them on Enterprise, oh yeah, yeah, and they became, uh, I don't, know, I guess it's a mixture of racism. Because they call uh, 
they call Human, them archer pink skin, pink skin. which yeah. i have which, questions about like if you <laughs> see someone that's not white what do you what's the racist term right from? but that but the thing is his but but the andorian's first experience with humans was archer Right. Yeah, but don't they ever? But they see Travis. I'm sure they must have seen Travis at some point in real well, life. The first time but it's, but it's a first. Yeah. You know? okay. You're absolutely right. right, and that's why I agree with Adina because their first interaction was with Archer and those on the landing party, mm-hmm. and so he had to he he insulted him. He called him a pink skin because he's not blue like him. So you know, I mean, they didn't use the line "they're angry Smurfs," but that always came across in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> But right. the thing that, that, that's brilliant. Yeah. But as the show developed over the four seasons, their distrust of each other was developed to the point of beca- they becoming in the four season true friends. And I like that. I like yeah. the development. I like the fact that they used uh, audio animatronics to make the antennas move to give them personality and thought. And I just and I and I, and Jeffrey Combs was just oh, mm-hmm. so, so good. good. He I, I look at him and he playing that character and he plays it so angry and he plays it like he's really mad, but he has respect. And that's I just like the way that they developed. And then, of course, again, in the fourth series season, they really developed the Andorians even further with a sub another species of them, which was an int- in, integral part in one story arc. Um, I, I just my favorite there you go great choice and you can tell you're an enterprise fan too because i i thought i thought enterprise did a great job to make the um producers and directors of that show did, did such a great job that is something that for me when i think mm-hmm. about enterprise as a series the andorians mm-hmm. really help it stand out um yeah uh along with the whole temporal time war and all that stuff mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um uh, it just it made it different enough that it was really cool and unique. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is like I I would love someone to come along and do a show where you where we get the Romulans and we like you Enterprise the Romulans or you DS Nine the Klingons, but you DS Nine the if that well, makes but- sense. Where it's like both of those series I think did a really good job of exploring like Enterprise did an amazing job of giving the Romulans history and a culture. Mm-hmm. And then DS9 did that with the Klingons and the Cardassians. But I feel like we don't know a ton about the Romulans beyond, okay, they're evil. Well, and... but that's, but we've, we've been getting more of that, especially with the first season of Picard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we get a lot of it in the novels. Oh, okay. That's probably and, true. And that's one of the things I'm, I think, you know, I, I thought long and hard about this and the Andorians were kind of close to the top of my list, mostly mm-hmm. because of Enterprise. And, mm-hmm. and I'll say, if you ask me, what is your favorite Jeffrey Combs portrayal in Trek? E- easily that role. He, yes, he, oh, he was yeah. a fan- fantastic, mm-hmm. fantastic Andorian. Even more I, than I, you? Yeah, I, absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate and like the development of the culture and, you know, uh, not, you know, so I guess I don't really care necessarily what the aliens look like. So my favorites are not, not based on that, but based on like what, how the culture has developed and what we know. So for a long time, I thought it was the, maybe the Klingons and maybe because of Worf, but I think over time, especially with Picard, with the novels, I, I think it might be the Romulans mm-hmm. um, and just, because of all you know there's so there's a lot of stuff there and i think they're the most complex and mysterious still in the star trek universe see see it's hard because 
like, and again, maybe this is like a fault of the other aliens for always having a shtick, but mm-hmm. I feel like it's really hard to, what is the, what is the thing that the Romulans do that only they do? They Same are the- incredibly secretive and that that's, yeah. that's ingrained into their culture is the, the secretiveness and the tell on your neighbors thing, which, so in unification, yeah. when we, when we show up on Romulus in unification and kind of got to see them go eat some soup, but yet everyone is suspicious of everyone and everyone keeps oh, secrets yeah, the and then they kind of, you know, go with that. Um, and, right, and I, I am, yeah. Yeah, but I feel like the Cardassians are so close in that sense that they're also very secretive and they also enjoy their complicated politics and their mm-hmm. backstabbing mm-hmm. and their betrayal. So it's hard when you compare those two species, like what is it even? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's but, not a fair thing. Because, one way, Chris, is that yeah. the Romulans were developed from the very first series mm-hmm. all yeah. the way through. You only learned about the Cardassians in Deep Late Space Late in Next Gen. Yeah, late yeah. next gen. Or, Even yeah. that that does bug me. It's like, well, there's been this whole conflict with them before, but mm-hmm. that was never mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that would have been, but that's just the way that TV works. Yeah, and I understand that. From the very beginning, you know, there was always that tie that Romulans and Vulcans, they they mm-hmm. were they were their cousins, you know, they were off, yeah. they were off. Mm-hmm. So there's always, you know, that, that interest, but yeah, I mean, the Cardassians have some kind of similar stuff. And we 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 did de- get definitely get some decent development. And mm-hmm. there are Cardassian characters that are some of my favorite characters oh, like yeah. I, I do love garrick oh um, he's so good yeah but no i think as a, i think as a species in trek it mm. might be it might be romulans can i ask okay. a question is yeah. um uh star trek nemesis is probably in my opinion the worst of all the trek films I in what it's it's in it's got to be in the top three worst at least I think so I think uh, Beyond is the worst but I think you're right I I only watched Beyond once and didn't like it I haven't watched it since but Nemesis I've given several chances because it's my family the next gen you know (laughs) yeah they're my my people and so I had to keep giving it chances and so what the heck with the Remans? Are they mentioned uh, at any other point in Trek lore in history? It's it's like all of a sudden the Romulans were were slavers <laughs> to these Remans, and and is I I just don't recall if the Remans are they mentioned even. And that's one not of the stupidest the, things. Not uh, on the screen, uh, possibly in novels, but I haven't read any no i haven't read all the novels i guess though i guess though for me like i've always a long long time ago i heard someone and i don't know if it was berman or who you know one of the powers to be in trek say the novels are not canon they're just for fun there's nothing about that unless it's on screen it's not canon and so that's how that's how I, i have proceeded mentally all these years but here's the thing here's the thing if you read the novels though if it doesn't conflict with what's on screen you can't help but let it fill in the details for you which is fine it's fun which is so yeah yeah i don't have a problem with that well see i have some issues like you shouldn't need a novel to explain like well, I don't even know if that's fair. Well, it's but not ex- it's it, it's, explaining. It's just yeah, there's developing. A, there's it's a great developing more. There's a great book that was written after Star Trek IV called Probe. 
Um, oh, and there's an audio that, version yeah. of it that James Doohan narrates uh, that you can get on YouTube for free. Mm-hmm. Um, in a bridge version, though. Um, but it talks more about the probe and yeah. the alien species, mm-hmm. and it's fantastic. And it was written to come out, I think it came out very shortly after the film, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but as much as I love that novel and that story, and it does fill in gaps and discre- you know, because we know nothing of the that probe except that it wanted to talk to the dolphins. Where did the where did the dolphins? Where did the whales? I got dolphins. Uh, dolphin. Yeah. There's another sorry. dolphins on the uh, Sorry, so, sorry. So, uh, so for me, and I, maybe there's been a shift though with the novels. I know there's rules. You can't kill off a main character. Yeah, like, and I feel like the new ones like are like sanctioned by. They have to be. Maybe yeah. there's yeah. been a so, shift. Yeah. So there's a couple of things. So I think going back to the Remans, I think that's a huge problem when it's not even like it's a new species, but they make it out to be something that has always been talked about. And so that, so I agree with you there. The thing with the probe, like I felt like, but that was intentional that they didn't, I I think like Nicholas Meyer, Mm -hmm. like fought the studio of like saying like, no, we don't want to put subtitles on. Or for for the probe because we're not supposed to know what the probe is doing. Like that's not it's meant to be part of the mystery. But like yeah, the the Remus thing really just gets me annoyed. And, and, and they do have... appear in Enterprise as like two uh, two guards. Oh really? Um, in the Romulan. Um, oh interesting. In that three part of the one that Steve was just talking about. Okay. Good, good memory well, there, Chris. Yeah. I don't remember that at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm super it's duper like, impressed. I, well, for, <laughs> I was watching that like maybe three weeks ago, but okay. I always noticed that just because it was just like, mm-hmm. it. I'm like, okay, finally we have some, like they did a cool thing where it's like, okay, we brought up this random thing in, in TNG that didn't make a lot of sense. And now we're going to retroactively we had make it make more yeah. sense. It was a shame well, too, because just, we had the great, what is the actor name? Ron Perlman play the head oh, Riemann yeah. guy and Perlman's been in like everything. And yep. he's a fantastic character actor. And, I, you know, he was mean looking and all that stuff. But I just, I was, I, I wish we would have gotten more about about that than we did maybe. But, mm-hmm. I mean, again, yeah. it's, we, I, I need to move yeah. on from Nemesis. I need to let it go. Let it go. Yeah, yeah. but the fact that there's no Rami, no Remans in the Dominion War in the show. I, but we got to move on. Brian's okay. correct. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next well, so idea. so what is everyone's? Okay, so we we, we kind of covered favorite favorite mm-hmm. uh, Trek aliens. What about outside of Star Trek? What are what are mm-hmm. favorite aliens that are not from the Trek universe? Okay, Steve, you go first. It's one of my top ten movies. So the Thermians, <laughs> the Thermians from Galaxy Quest. I absolutely love them just because they're so childlike. And they meet my criteria of having suction cups so they can mm-hmm. be able to build and do things. <laughs> so that's that's good. Also, you have the ability to transform themselves into more human-like characters. Again, the ability to create and make things. And they're just, yeah, yeah they're, they're, they, they're, the chil- they're the children, so they, they believe and they learn. And I just love that. But my other second favorite aliens of all time Dick, Harry, Tom, and Sally from Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> I, I've been watching that again while I exercise, and I just love the way they created them. It's they're just 
I, my second favorite aliens. And we don't even know what they look like because that's not important. Oh, but they don't all, ever, no, never show never, that? Okay. Never depict what they really look like. But thank goodness that their ultimate leader, the big giant head, was William Shatner. Congratulations. Oh. Huh. That actually makes me change my answer because I'm wondering if now maybe I should have considered Mork from Mork and Mindy because I wasn't thinking of yes, that. Yes, yes, so, Mork. I'm, absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I'm also wondering wondering because i thought we were basing our favorites on like what looks the most alien so i was going with the borg but now i have to reconsider if that's not uh, the yeah, that's okay criteria that yeah, we're that's thinking okay. about I, I didn't i didn't put forth any criteria just favorite uh-huh. and you could yeah. you could my, interpret that as you will go ahead brian <laughs> my favorite aliens of all time outside of trek uh-huh. are the little aliens of toy story that are yeah. inside the machine oh. and they're like free us or take Ooh. me pick me they were they've made a new buzz lightyear movie and oh yeah that looks uh, really cool. i want to see that previews of it on disney plus it looks pretty great but um uh i i hope they're in the we movie get to see those guys oh okay in the movie at some point. Mm-hmm. I hope there's at least some passing shot with them as real aliens uh, in Buzz Lightyear's universe. So question about the movie. Do we like, I haven't researched or looked into it too much, but is like Buzz Lightyear, is that like, is Lightyear, is that a, like a fictional movie inside the Toy Story universe that Buzz Lightyear is based on? Or is that like a true thing that happened in the Toy Story universe? And that Buzz Lightyear no, is just based it's, on it's the a, It's a, so it's uh like I guess I guess you could consider it a prequel. It's it's his life before what he looks like in Toy Story. Mm-hmm. But is it? So but it's, is they're it because... taking they're taking a spin off of it mm-hmm. to come up with this movie. I don't. But you know, it's I don't... not. But it's not like the kid. It's not like Andy watched the movie Lightyear, and that's what the toy is based I on. Think, in the universe. I think I don't I don't know for sure. I think that could be the direction they take with it. But I I get the feeling that it's gonna they're making Buzz out to be real, like it's yes. a real thing. Yes, and oh, I've seen. I, there's also time travel involved where he goes into the future. Oh and, yes, yeah, yeah. So there's there's uh, so Multiple again times. I yeah. So I don't know if this is supposed to be the TV show that they base the toy on, or is this supposed to be his real life? That I I I can't conceive that from watching the. Mm-hmm. the previews and mm-hmm. i i don't know if i can want to go out and spend x amount of dollars or just sit tight and wait for DV- disney plus to bring it to my right. front door you know that's the other thing yeah Re- remember when it took a year or more to get dv oh, vhs copies of movies to drop <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah oh man now, we're spo- like now we're, everyone's spoiled yeah yeah do the pandemic we, we were able to watch things before they went into the theater which is why i'm was it was it Mr. Spielberg all upset about that that movies that are released on Netflix and so on should not be considered because they're not in the theater. And I and I sort of see like the, the theater is such a great way to experience a movie, mm-hmm. especially if there's sure. going to be a lot of reacting like mm-hmm. with with other audience members. Sure, sure. Oh, you like that? So I I love it because if if I'm with people, <laughs> if I'm in watching something and there's a big reveal and everybody else is hyped. I'm in. Like, can we talk about Endgame for a second? Mm-hmm. I remembered. I felt so bad about this because I know Black Panther was a favorite, but like when they opened up the portals and then he comes out, I kind of booed. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be like someone else 
So I, I thought you know, Black Panther was okay, but I was hoping for Doctor Strange. <laughs> but luckily, no one heard me. <laughs> heard me do that. <laughs> but that was. Well, a I gotta tell show. you what, though the the theater experience is great. Mm-hmm. It, for instance, with um, uh, the 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 first JJ Star Wars films, like when you realize they're headed towards the Falcon. Mm-hmm. I yelled out yeah. audibly, "It's the Falcon!" Yeah, you know? yeah. And everybody and other people did too, and we laughed and cheered. And mm-hmm. it was very few films that I've <laughs> ever been in. Um, did you have moments like that? I know there's there's films like Rocky where people were cheering and like they were watching mm-hmm. real fights, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's there's other notable films that have that in it, but I just that you're right, Chris. That that being in it together, um, seeing it on the big screen, hearing mm-hmm. it in surround sound, mm-hmm. um, and eating movie theater popcorn, which is the best in the world. You can't <laughs> that, um, and is fantastic. But there's also something to be said about a large screen television in the comfort of your own home. Mm-hmm. Where you can hit uh, pause. Yes. You can yeah. pause and tell the other people in the room to stop talking. Mm-hmm. You can pause into the bathroom. You can <laughs> Oh, right. See, that's the thing is like, I get to watch it at home where I'm like, it's just me and it's not as much fun. But I guess if you have kids, it's like, uh, okay, maybe there's a, yeah, press yeah. pause yeah. and be like, I think it's also a thing though. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the order you get, the more you appreciate being able to use your being own alone. restroom. <laughs> uh, yeah. Being alone. The, the, this, is, <laughs> this is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. Okay. When we went I mean, to go see Endgame, Okay. And they got to the point they were going to fight nano thanos the i thor's iron man whatever right whatever i had for coffee soda whatever just finally said steven you can't wait any longer (laughs) so and i got up i got up from the theater seat which i never do went to use the bathroom came back i turned to my wife i said what happened she goes nothing they had another fight nothing happened i went okay good (laughs) i was able to go and take care of what i had to do and didn't miss a moment and when there I was... watched it again, I went, oh, I really didn't miss anything. So, you know, yes, but it's nicer if you can just do it. Watch your own leisure. So there were a lot of bathroom guides that people were writing for um, for Endgame when that came out, where people were like, OK, here are the times when this scene starts. This is when you can go to the bathroom without missing any plot. I'm like, that's brilliant. <laughs> it really it's so is. stressful. Yep. I had to do that once with the movie Detroit and I was horrified. So I was like, I had never had to like miss part of a movie to go to the washroom. Mm-hmm. But it'll happen again. Mm-hmm. It will, but, my friend. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, so we, we really are we talking about aliens or bad restrooms in yes. theaters? Uh, Buzz Lightyear aliens. The yes. Buzz. Well, we can mix them together because you know. Right. Do you ever see the aliens use the restroom? No, but one of my favorite all time. Well, maybe we do. <laughs> was... I don't know all things, but one of my favorite alien film alien moments in star trek is star trek six when kirk is fighting that big huge mammoth of an alien in in prison (laughs) and he kicks him in the knees and not (laughs) not all aliens keep their genitals where humans do or whatever the line is Mm, you know it's really great yeah which is which i wonder like that comment where he was like anything you want to tell me to uh what's her face i'm like is this like kind of it's a funny joke in the 90s but now i feel like maybe a little bit not as funny well i'll say this the scene that sold me on the originals of the enterprise episode was when they had to answer kids questions 
and they did ask that eternal question how do you go to the bathroom and when we were all kids growing up in the 60s we all we could think about was how is neil armstrong going to the bathroom in a space castle and we want to know that question more so it is an eternal question. How do it it is. What do they do? You know, I mean, I love that trip. We had to be the guy. He's like, he's the chief engineer of a warp yeah. five starship, the first ever. And he has to answer questions about the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to, I want to address the, what you just said about like that, that line, given it was the nineties mm-hmm. and is it a cringe line today? And I want to say it's not. You know, okay. the, the reason why that line doesn't bother me at all today is because it, it's kind of like the, is it welcome or not? She mm. was clearly appealing to the fact that he likes the look of the ladies. Uh, you know, okay. so we're talking she, about Star Trek Six. Yeah, yeah, sorry, okay. I'm back on that. Star okay. Trek. Okay. No, she was clearly de- deliberately looking in a way that would appeal to him. So mm. she was very deliberately in- inviting that. So, played, by the uh, way, played by the supermodel Iman. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. So, okay. And that's the thing is, and because it was a clear. Yes, she is clearly inviting this. It's okay if there was clearly like she could have looked that way, but all, but had like a, a, a invisible barrier up, you know, because there's a difference between like, hey, and uh, you know, like mm-hmm. there, there's a difference there. And so mm-hmm. in this case, because it was a wanted thing, it's okay. If it was a clearly not wanted thing, it would be a different story. And that, that's okay. that's the difference to me. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And she was definitely trying to like, you know, she was trying to, to lure him. Yeah. And the smoke <laughs> in the face was just like, whoa, okay. Yeah. I can see why, like, I just love McCoy's reaction when they kiss. He's just like, what is it with you? Yeah. What is it? That's one of the best yeah. McCoy lines. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You kissed me and everything. Okay, well, you know, I want to get one more question in sure, before we to wrap up. Yeah. And it's it's that whole concept of, and again, outside of Trek, because Trek's, you yeah. know, aliens are very human. We, we do see a lot of, because we see such a variety, but when we see other movies that has a very strong alien component, my question is, do they get a, a fair shake in the sense of, I feel like most of the time aliens are depicted as we're here to invade earth, mm-hmm. we're here to take over, we're mm-hmm. evil, like, is, and I feel like sometimes it's a little too much, <laughs> like that that's yeah. all okay. we see all to right. the point where I remember when et came out when mm-hmm. i was a little girl and mm-hmm. it was like oh here's a nice alien now mm-hmm. they it wasn't treated that way once word got out but mm-hmm. like are aliens given a fair shake okay well if you yeah. don't mind i'll, I'll offer I, I, those two i have two points about those things first thing um is determined by the storyline now you look at day of the earth stood still and klatu was given the right to end all humanity due to our interest in the atomic bomb but changed his mind once he got to know us. So yes, he evolved. But in most cases, aliens are always depicted as wanting to destroy us. And you can blame H.G. Wells. He started it, and it's followed <laughs> ever since from that point on. Um, you know, even, even Hawking, Stephen Hawking said, don't tell them where we are because ultimately they may come to get us. But as far as E.T. goes, and I, and I saw that movie when it first came out, and to me, E.T. is just home alone, and it's only with an <laughs> uglier child. Okay, and then look at, look, look at the storyline. The kid is left behind. The parents can't contact him since they didn't give him a cell phone. He has to get help from young friends. Okay, and, and Home Alone's an old guy. 
and mom and dad finally arrive and everyone's happy and et gets to go home but uh i think if maybe if the et had joe pesci in it a little more comedy it would have been even bigger film but what alien would joe but, pesci pay in a oh, Star I Trek don't film. <laughs> another but podcast see, but there's, maybe there's but, no uh, bodily harm in et that i recall compared to home alone uh, well, <laughs> except et does die doesn't he in the end, he gets I sick. Guess. He gets sick, gets but sick. I mean, it's okay. not like he gets hit like repeatedly with, well, with hot. No, iron. I wouldn't want ET hitting that. <laughs> no, no, right. no. But, but they're not can. right. Okay. Right. Yeah. But yeah. it's but it's still the same. Like he's left alone, and really, what kind of parents would leave their child behind if they're coming from another planet? My another... my children love the. Yeah. By the way, the newest Home Alone. Sort of. I, I really. think it's on Disney Plus. I don't remember what they've called it. It's slow at the the first twenty minutes are slow. Mm. Work through it. It's worthwhile. It's hysterical. Once they break in, how they why they break in, who mm. they, it's it's a little bit different take. It's kind of fun and quirky. Mm. But um, my my son will stand up on my king size bed and fall over backwards and go <laughs> Kevin and fall over backwards. <laughs> He thought that was the funniest part when the mom realized Kevin was gone and she mm -hmm. falls backwards and faints. He'll do, he'll do that oh. 10 times in a row on my bed. So, um, so I, I think that aliens, I, I, here's, here's my first psychological take on human beings. I think I have to describe my take on humans first, Adina, in order to describe my take on aliens. I think that there is a lot of fear that is naturally inside of us. We have... Mm -hmm. Um, a desire to explore, a desire to learn, to grow, to be stretched. Um, but there's also a lot of fear there. And sometimes that fear can overpower our sense of adventure and exploration. Um, I think in the best of us, though, we put that aside. We work through that. I mean, the fear that th there is a level of risk, tremendous risk, to life as we started going into outer space. But the men and the men and women who supported the men that were going into outer space originally, um, they were such adventurers. The knowledge they were gaining was worth it for all of humankind in their opinion, that it was worth putting their bodies and their very lives at risk to go out there, to mm -hmm. keep pushing the limits, to learn just a little bit more so that next time we could go a little bit farther. Um, but I think the fear factor is huge. And I think that the extraordinary sells tickets as well. Mm -hmm. I think I think that if if the aliens and Independence Day were ultimately nice and just scared us at first, it wouldn't have sold as many tickets. Well, um, yes. And I think right. I think that that, that money and kind of this ex extraordinary way of viewing alien threats is huge and starting with H2O's war of the worlds i mean that mm -hmm. was ter a terrifying concept that if there are aliens and, and at the time they, if i'm not mistaken that story they were on the, from the other side of the moon coming right am i right about that they're from mars mars okay. maybe okay. They come from mars and so you know terrifying and so i think that kind of got the ball rolling um but I think I think the fear factor is that sometimes we tend to let our fear generate and rule 
what it, what the what is unknown mm-hmm. sometimes then this sense of adventure and i think in film and television it sells tickets it produces tv shows um and it's well, entertainment you, too you know you need conflict and drama yeah, right to, yes yeah, so, yeah. okay so so i just you know <laughs> In, in, do, do we take your answer? You have yeah, too. Both you and Brian. Took <laughs> well, you have films. You have films like Encounters of the Third Kind, right? right? Which is this great mystery. We're terribly fearful what's happening, but yet there is a group of people meeting behind that strange mountain uh, that are that are trying to figure out what's happening and trying to communicate. And when they find out, there's a musical pattern that they can correlate and. You know, and then people start going and they send people out back to us that we didn't mm-hmm. know were gone by, you know, uh, very powerful and, and intriguing mm-hmm. concept. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think in one sense, I think that it's a shame that there aren't more stories of aliens that are nice and peaceful in that, you know, I wish maybe we could come up with uh, with a different type of conflict that would involve that. It's just mm-hmm. easy to say they want to mm-hmm. kill us and destroy us or they want to conquer us, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's an easy way well, entertainment-wise. It's funny that you, you say that, and not that I'm necessarily trying to, like, over-promote my book or anything, but when I started Crazy Foolish Robots, this it, it started as the robots were going to take over, coming to Earth, take over. And then oh, I, at some point, I'm just like, this is stupid. Like every you know like that's boring for you. everything for you. So everyone else has done it. that yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so so i'm looking for it like you know let's let's have a movie or a tv show where there's other types of conflict and what is that show i think the show is star trek <laughs> but there's, I mean, there's plenty one. of conflict but mm-hmm. you know we definitely war with klingons with romulans with the android you know uh, i mean it goes on and on but there is a move towards peace and yeah. that is, I think, Star Trek. I don't know if they're unique, but I got to believe they're one of the f- early, early concepts of science fiction that started to, on a regular basis in television, start to say, hey, we can't have peace. Let's find what we're, what common ground we have and work together sure. and figure out a way to live. Right. Yeah. But also say- it was creating coalitions. Yeah. And I, I always think of that, you know, the, the Federation almost is like NATO is that you had these coalition of various planets and societies coming together to protect themselves against a foreign enemy, either the Klingons or the Romulans, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's what NATO's job was to protect uh, Europe against another, you know, against uh, communist Russian aggression. So, you know, still we, you know, this is basically kind of the same storyline. Yeah, I was actually going to say, Brian, if you're looking for something that's different, this is a weird choice. But Supergirl season four, I think, did a really good job of because in in Supergirl and Superman aliens do. I I don't know if it's for all the Superman comics, but in the Supergirl universe, aliens do exist on Earth. And that whole season was about um, basically dealing with racism, but towards aliens. And it was like dealing with this sort of a human supremacist like the. Oh, who's the guy from Enterprise? Frederick Frederick Paxton or something who was like, all the aliens must leave and I'm going to blow up Mm -hmm. the earth with my giant laser. Um, 
So season four of Supergirl did a really good job of dealing with that. Where it's I, just I like, remember that, oh. Chris. I watched that series, and you're absolutely oh, yeah. right. I oh, the, that season? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they, there was the bar where all the aliens could go and hang out because it was a safe mm-hmm. place for them. Yeah, yeah, which I thought was such a good concept. I'm like, this is like one of the first times where like the big bad, especially in Supergirl, especially with... Uh, Cause it's in the same universe as the flash and arrow where it's mm-hmm. like the big bad wasn't like some creature alien that was trying to destroy humanity. It was just a racist, you know, insert some inappropriate language there who was like, mm-hmm. Oh, we should get rid of these aliens. And then mm-hmm. what did that guy do? He got a talk show eventually. And then mm-hmm. like, I think he, I can't remember if he ran for office, but I thought that was one of the unique <laughs> situations. Not true to real life at all. No, no, it never happened. Just never, like I just would never happen in the States. It's like, Supergirl, you're nailing it. You're, <laughs> yeah, I'm, no. I'm getting the political commentary. It, that's that's but, where the show really shined. Yeah. Really, it really, I got to go back and watch it. I think I started watching the first few episodes, but then life, you know, happened. It's, and... it's one of those shows where you have to really understand and get past the fact that it's a it's a network show mm-hmm. and so their sure. special effects budgets are not good and i really but, wish they would just not show supergirl fly and just show her land because the flying can really take you out of the out of but, the series but you know something she was such a good character she's such a she sweetheart was. and you watch that show and really we got sucked into it when they finally got into i think the fifth or sixth season we kind of lost lost interest but in the beginning and the storyline about this poor, this girl who just wanted to fit in and she had superpowers and she didn't, can't tell the world that she does. It's really just, it was really a great series. It really was. I'm adding yeah. it to the yeah. list. Yeah. She was good. And watch it from like, the beginning. Okay. Watch it from the beginning. It's okay. so good. Yeah. And she's really another is. person that's on my super long list of, of crushes on TV, but it's just like, man, she's something else. Mm-hmm. I want a yelling about Star Trek podcast about your crushes. Oh, <laughs> I could probably do like a three-part episode. Oh that. my goodness! <laughs> I have so many crushes, like from almost every show. Adding Nurse Chapel is now probably my newest. The newest Nurse Chapel. Yeah, the newest Nurse Chapel. Yeah, the newest and nurse also is. probably Captain Pike. But Nurse Chapel's like on that list. <laughs> she, she is. I like her character. I, yeah, I'm not going to oh, talk about amazing. the new series, but okay, she, we yeah. get. We'll, no we'll have our episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm well, sorry. with that, does every anyone want to say some closing thoughts, closing goodbyes before we wrap uh, up this today? One thought that I was interesting because I never got to answer yeah. one of my favorite, like who do I like outside of Trek, and I oh, was thinking okay. about. Um, uh why can't i think of the species and what they're called but they're from stargate and they're little gray aliens and they like poses like thor and a bunch of like north uh other mythology mm-hmm. but what was so great yeah. about them was that they looked like the most generic gray aliens and not the joke but the story behind that was that because they were because they were seen a long time ago someone saw that and that's how the stereotypical um description of aliens came out like you have like a gray body with wide eyes mm-hmm. it was because they saw thor i am just forgetting what they're called but they were really cool and i love that idea that mm-hmm. they look like the generic aliens because in the stargate lore that's what created the generic aliens mm-hmm. or that people had ideas about mm-hmm. um so i thought that was really cool but i can't cool. think of like a my favorite favorite but they just came to mind as like being really cool and unique my my closing Asgard. thought. Asgard. That's what they're okay. called. Asgard. <laughs> I'm done. My my closing thought about aliens is 
the seventh season of X-Files, an episode called The Unnatural, where an alien comes to Earth and he's able to look like a black man playing in the Negro League and he loves baseball. And when he's found out by, an, another, by a police officer that he's an alien, he says, why do you like baseball? He says, our race of being can't smile. Baseball makes me smile. And Aww. I just love that scene in the, in the episode. So, yeah. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Is that worth getting? Okay, that's a whole, maybe it's an off, <laughs> off outside of the podcast. But I just want to know, if is it worth watching? Because I've heard like the original series is amazing, but then all the, the newer stuff hasn't been that through, great. Through the seventh and eighth season. Okay. Stuff. But the seventh and eighth season, I think the seventh season is the best because it mixes humor with storyline and so on. And uh, mm. yeah, it, it X-Files is a I, unique series. I mm-hmm. Before I say my goodbyes, as Adina has requested, um, I haven't watched a single second of X-Files because it was on during Next Generation time frame, and oh. I was so loyal to Next Gen. I wasn't having anything to do with any type of sci-fi other than Next Gen mm-hmm. because, you know, they were counting on my viewership each week to... Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I might jump into X-Files one of these yeah. days, maybe when I that retire was a and reason. I have nothing else to do. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember that. I was too at least afraid. Where I, where I was, it wasn't a conflict, so I could <laughs> easily yeah. watch both. And I was very, in those days, hungry for any and all sci-fi right, back then. Right. Yeah. I just wanted Star Trek. Yeah. So yeah. confession time there. Um, so I'm going to say this. And it's going to be heavy for a second, but it's going to end light. Um, mm-hmm. Hug the people you love oh, yeah. today. Hug your kids, hug your husband, your wife, your spouse, whatever. Hug your dog or cat for crying out loud. Um, because tomorrow isn't promised for anyone. I just learned of uh, uh, an acquaintance whose husband was killed, hit on a highway by a tractor oh. trailer, pulled off to the side of the road. and. Boy. um they they were pulling something and something didn't feel right. So he st- pulled over, got, got out. It actually happened in Maryland, Adina. Um, and you might see, you can watch the, on channel five, I think you can pull up the news article, mm-hmm. but a young man, um, I knew his wife uh, that I think they have two kids, young kids, but um, wonderful man, husband um, and father. And just like that gone, um, no chance to say goodbye, no chance to all that stuff. So, you know, it's life. It happens. Tragedy like that happens, but hug your, hug the ones you love, yeah. tell them you love them. Don't wait another day to say you love them because it's that important. Tomorrow isn't promised to any of us. Anything could happen to us as we walk out the door for work on any given day or whatever. So don't take the people you love for granted. And, um, also, Watch more Trek, people. Please <laughs> watch more Trek. We need more loyal Star Trek fans who are going to not watch X Files so they can, you know, support Trek <laughs> all the way. I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, so hug the people you love and watch more Trek. Absolutely. I hear here. Yes, yes. And well, I'm Adina Mignona, and I'd like to thank you all for taking the time out of your day to listen to us ramble on about aliens and whatever tangent just happens to like come to us <laughs> in this very diverse science fiction universe. I'm personally looking forward to the day when we are no longer a sample size of one 
and have some real knowledge of what else is out there. I'm of the mind that completely gets this quote from the movie Contact. If it's just us, seems like an awful waste of space. Now, we'd love to hear your thoughts on aliens and anything else in your favorite sci-fi. Join us at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast Facebook group to share your thoughts and comment on this episode or any of them. Or you can send us an email at thebigsci-fi-podcast at gmail.com. I would like to thank all of our faithful listeners and members of our Facebook group for being such an awesome supporters of the show. You are the reason we keep getting together via Zoom each week to record these episodes. Until next week, stay well, and we look forward to going with you where few podcasters have gone before. <laughs>